When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, and welcome to the Sense 71 podcast. I'm your host, Tom Hussey, and here with me is Catherine Paquette and Mia Eriksson. Very good. Very good. Uh, I was, we talked about it just about how I was going to try and pronounce it in Swedish, and I don't think I did a great job. But Mia's still here for the moment. Uh, how are you both doing? Uh, Catherine, we'll start with you because you are in the past at the moment. in canada somewhere well i'm in the present because being in the i mean that'd be a really cool superhero power but uh i am in canada i'm in quebec about okay. two hours outside montreal in the country and you've been we rescued you from pulling potatoes yeah, yeah basically um i'm at my grandfather's house and he had a bit of garden work to do um which is not my strong suit i'll do it but um yeah, basically, I got a text inviting me, and I was like, "Great, this is a fantastic excuse to leave the garden." <laughs> well, thank you very Luckily, much. Luckily, though, here. this is a podcast, not a video, because I'm I'm quite I'm a bit sunburnt, and yeah, I I would not be in a good video form at the moment. Absolutely covered in potatoes right now. Yeah, exactly. And Mia, we rescued you from a call with link shopping. Yeah, actually, not even a call. I was in a physical meeting for the first first time in in months. Uh, so we've been meeting uh, at uh, Linköping's uh, FC uh, office, actually. Very nice. How yeah. was it? How was it being back in literally in women's football with a team? No, yeah, it was uh, a bit weird, sort of, to know, to meet people, actual people in a room. But um, yeah, it was great. It feels um, good to be able to uh, have real, in real life contact again. Yeah, amazing. That's, yeah, I've been to a couple of the um, games over here. Um, and that was like the Arsenal game last week at the Emirates. And definitely went to as well. Yeah, that was a great game to go to. Um, I will talk about that a little bit later, um, if you're both still awake. Um, But something that we wanted to start with was visibility and about how to watch all of these different leagues in all of these different countries. Now, uh, I might have shared my SkyGo, well, now TV account with Mia, so she can watch some of the (laughs) English language WSL games. Um, Catherine, how are you able to watch the WSL or other European leagues in Canada? Um, So it's a bit of an annoyance. Uh, I think 
Canada is a perfect example of a place that if you're a fan of women's football, you really have to be a fan because tracking down all the streaming links, all the calendars of where they are, um, that has to be done by you. It's not like there's really just one broadcaster that shows WSL games, and even they don't really announce that they're when they're going to be on. You 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 really have to go out and find those schedules. So um, since last year, I believe it's Sportsnet um, has two to sometimes three WSL games on their channel. Now this is a, a private um, like you have to add it onto your cable package, I guess, kind of like Sky would. Yeah. Um. So you have to add that on. I, you know, it, it's, it's debatable whether this is a good thing or a bad thing, because if all you want to see is the WSL, that's quite an, an addition for not even all the games, just sometimes as little as one game a week. Um, and then the rest is on the FA player, which I quite like because they're, they're pretty good um, at putting games afterwards and, that you can see. Sometimes they'll even put games on the FA player that are available in Canada that were also available on television. So they'll be blocked during the, the period it's originally airing, but you can see it later. Um, other leagues, it's quite frustrating. The league that we have the most players in, because for those of you who don't know, Canada is uh, the only nation in the top 25 in the world that has no professional league or domestic league of any kind. We have these like mini provincial competitions that start in May and end by the end of July, beginning of August um, in three of the biggest provinces. But apart from that, there's nothing else here. So women have no choice but to leave the country, generally when they're about 18, if they want to continue playing soccer because there's nothing here. Um, and at the moment, we have the most girls in France and funny enough, La Division 1 is the only league that we don't have access to. So, I mean, there are nefarious uh, ways of getting it around it, which I obviously don't use. But nefarious? It, you can if well, you use a VPN, for example. Oh, okay. I was like, this, you made it sound like a lot more dangerous than... Well, than just like downloading a VPN. It was like meeting someone in an alley and like swords. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all about the VHS tapes in the alleyway these days. Um, no, you, you like, basically you have to find ways around the fact that there's there's no way to see it here. And um, it's quite disappointing, especially considering like we won a gold medal a couple, like a month and a bit ago. And there's still no talk of uh, an, any type of national league or an NWSL club coming. There were rumors originally, but nothing's come out. And then if you want to see the, like, if you want to see Steph Labe, if you want to see Kadisha Buchanan, you, you kind of have to get around, you know, broadcasting restrictions, which is, um, again, if you're a fan, I know I, I, I'm in a tiny group of, of people who are, who are fans of the, the women's teams and they find ways around it, but you're not going to grow the game. You're not going to grow the visibility of these players in Canada if people can't normal people can't watch them and i would say that also goes for the fawsl like the the mixture of this um and the nwsl for that matter like the mixture of these broadcasting platforms you really have to be a fan to go okay well where can i watch it this week if you're not normal people who may be fair weather they're not going to follow that um like the nwsl one of the really annoying things is we actually subsidize that league i think we have 12 players at the moment that 
whose salaries are paid by the Canadian Soccer Association. And the NWSL has a contract with CBS this year. So they have all the games in the U.S. on Paramount+. Plus. In Canada, we can watch it via Twitch. But if CBS decides to put it on one of their television platforms, so CBS Extra or, or I think um, the, and the, or CBS Sports, those are channels we can't actually get in Canada. But because it's CBS, we're actually blocked out of watching them by Twitch. So again, there, there are ways of getting around that. But if, if you're not a really big fan, you're not going to go through and follow through with actually trying to get it. So I'd call it, I call it frustrating. Like as somebody who, who writes about women's football and who's a huge fan, like it's a lot of work sometimes just to be able to see players play and, um, we've come a long way. Now we can actually see the games. Whereas a couple of years ago, it was quite difficult for most leagues, but still, I don't think we've come far enough when it comes to access. And, and it is frustrating as a Canadian. It's very frustrating. This kind of smorgasbord. I don't even, is that a Swedish word? Mia? Yeah. But we say smorgasbord. It's a smorgasbord of, of, of like where you get stuff. It sounds a lot nicer as a Swedish word. I'm going to say that straight off. Yeah, especially nicer than French, where we say smorgasbord. Yeah. No. Anyway, so that's kind of the, 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 in Canada, like what we have access. Sometimes it's nice. You can get a game on television. But again, if you're not a huge, if you're not a fan, tracking that's going to be difficult because it's not like it's being pushed out to you, which to be fair to Canada is not just the problem we have here. Like it can be difficult sometimes just to know where, even in the FAWSL, a lot of their pregame, like just knowing, can I watch the game? Where is it being played? Like teams don't necessarily always push this out. And I think that's still one of the major limitations we have with women's soccer. It's uh, women's football is that where do you watch it? And when is not always obvious if you're not a fan of the game who actively tracks the stuff. Yeah. Um, with regards to that very quickly, um, it's one of the, it's the biggest growing sport for girls, teenage girls, even adult women now in the UK. Is it the same in Canada? Is there, is there, a, is there a growth because of not just because of the Olympics, but is it, has it been, is it been a notable growth over the years anyway? Canada has been the second biggest um, nation when it comes to girls playing the game for 40 years now. The only one being the U.S. for the obvious reason that they have more than 10 times our population, or they have a little less than 10 times our population. Um, obviously, it's a limiting, limited sport because most of our country is covered in snow for about five to seven months of the year. And, and those fields are, if they're not artificial, um, aren't usable. But it's still like, when I grew up, everybody played soccer. And and just to give you, I'm going to age myself, but I'm 37, you know, it was completely normal as a girl to go to play soccer and to play. There's everything from rec to competition, um, which is one of the reasons that, you know, like I said, there's nowhere to play in Canada, but we have a gold medal winning team. It's because we produce so many players who in a lot of circumstances go to the States and get scholarships because there are American scouts up here and then are able to now go on and play professional in other countries it's because of the amount but um we have a really big missing link which is 
you know, it's the, like I said, only nation in the top 25 when uh, nations ranked at the moment where when you get to the age of 18, you're out of options. You might be able to play at the university level here, but it's a short season and it's really not as professional or as uh, like in some circumstances, it might not be as demanding as if you went to an American college or as competitive. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's this really weird, uh, do, like thing where it, most played sport for, for women in Canada, no options for women to play the sport after the age of 18. If they're, they re, they truly want it to be, um, their profession for a part of their life. To be fair to soccer though, not the only sport without a professional league. We have one semi-professional hockey team and that's it. There's really like Canada leads the way in many places when it comes to gender equality, but when it comes to sports, we are in the stone age. There's no avenues for girls to play professional sports of any kind here. You have to leave the country. Um, and that's exceed that's really, really frustrating as a woman and just as a nation. I, I it's a bit shameful to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I've got lots of family in Canada, so I've been to Winnipeg in January and that was ridiculous. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, that was not fun. Um, but that's very interesting about how I, there was wasn't there something to do with the uh, the white caps recently mentioned something. Sorry, sorry, Mira, I feel like we're we're completely sorry. missing Europe out on this and, and Scandinavia. But this is something that I just want to clear up very quickly. So um, one of the reasons we don't have an NWSL team. And um, actually, the the Wellington Phoenix recently got a, a, a team in the W League. And that's a great comparison as to the restrictions when it comes to a foreign nation trying to get a team into another nation's um, uh, league. So it, in North America, it's actually quite common for many of the leagues, the, the, the professional men's leagues, to have teams on both sides of the border. So baseball has a team here, basketball, the NBA has a team here, um, the, the NHL, like nearly a third of its franchises are up, a quarter of its franchises are up here. That's completely common. Even in soccer, the MLS has, league, has teams up here. But... Um, especially when it comes to soccer, there are huge restrictions on having a Canadian team. And one of the biggest ones is that the MLS and the NWSL tried to do the same thing, um, will demand that American players are considered local in Canada, but will try to restrict the amount of player of Canadian players that can be considered local in Canada. The W League did the same thing, which is one of the reasons that the Wellington Phoenix took so long to join. But even if you look right now, out of 18 players in that will play in New Zealand, only 11 of them are allowed to be Kiwi. The rest have to be Australian or have to be on foreign visas. So when the Whitecaps tried to join, they didn't want this. Their argument was, we have one of the best, uh, like, academies in the world. You know, this is an academy that produced Jordan Hidema, who went to PSA at age 18. You know, we want our locally produced talent to be local and we don't want any restrictions on that, which I would argue as a Canadian is completely, a completely valid argument. The NWSL's argument was we don't want that because we don't want a like mini team Canada playing up in Vancouver. So what ended up happening is the Whitecaps said, no, we're not interested in joining if these are the restrictions that are currently put upon us. And I've 
heard rumors of other ownership groups in other countries, uh, in other cities, kind of not wanting to join because of that same reason of going like, it makes no sense if more than half the players have to be American, like restricting Canadians being able to play in Canada um, is, I would argue, heavily discriminatory. And the MLS kind of has this problem as well. Like the MLS has... Is, has to have a certain amount of homegrown players, but they are limited in how many they can have. And Americans are considered domestic players throughout every single MLS team, but they are not. Cons- but Canadians are only considered domestic players for a certain amount of homegrown spots in Canada. So that's one of the really big restrictions with professionalizing women's soccer in Canada. The other one is that. If you look at a map, our country is huge. It's one of the most expensive countries to travel around. Um, It's actually cheaper sometimes to go to Europe via plane than it is to go to Vancouver. Um, So just the costs of even having an amateur team are really, really excessive. And we don't have, we just started to have a domestic league on the men's side, the Canadian Premier League. It's three years old. It nearly folded last year because of COVID. So, and it, it itself is in really it's kind of supported by its investors at the moment it's not turning a profit so adding women's teams to that it's not a league that's in a financial position to do that and arguably Canada's not in the Canada soccer is not in a financial position to do that they're already being called out at the moment for the rapid growth in fees that amateur players have to have to pay like when I played 10 years ago for a summer season of 15 games, it cost me about 150 bucks, so 10 bucks a game. Last time I went, it had grown for amateur. I'm talking like I was in in my particular part of Montreal. I was playing like Division Six, so like really low down the the the, the totem pole. Like just literally a group of friends and I wanted to create a team, and we went to go sign up, and the fees had grown so much that it was almost 400 dollars a player for 15 games. Like that is in euros, that's I think 280, 300 euros. Like that's just, that's incredibly excessive for a game played on public property where, you know, you have a ball and you're kicking it. Like, it, it, you know, hockey in some circumstances is getting to be cheaper if you're playing in an outside rink than soccer. So a lot of limitations. Sorry, I feel like I'm talking a lot about Canada. But <laughs> it, it's for me, what's really frustrating is we can't seem to get over these barriers of entry for women's sports but the people that are missing out are women you know it's young girls who really have and like i said i i pointed out earlier like if you're not looking for games if you don't know where to find them young girls might not see girls play on television because the only channels that have it at the moment you have to pay excessive fees for and then there's nothing to, to see them here even international breaks coming up one of the only countries not playing is canada we won the gold medal a month ago. Like how, you know, they've, they, we hosted the world cup in 2015. They've played, I think 10 or 11 times in our country since then. Like it's, they're, they're huge barrier, like barriers to entry. And so girls who want to pursue this have to leave the country. They have to go abroad and, you know, to go abroad and to be on a foreign visa, you have to be better than most of the girls in your team. If not, you're not going to be kept also there's a little thing of in a lot of circumstances, if you're on a foreign visa, you can only work in soccer as a, as a football player. That's all you can do. So financially, imagine how these girls are getting hit. It's not like in a lot of circumstances, they may not have the, the visa like 
flexibility to go and get a second side hustle if what they make isn't enough. Um, and yeah, what frustrates me is in Canada, we spend a lot building stadiums. We spend a lot on stadium security, on stadium maintenance. We also spend a lot kind of in, in these tax breaks to support these big men's professional leagues. And, and we're not the only country, nearly every single sports league in the world is created and upheld by these these kind of smorgasbord, sorry, smorgasbord, was I even close, <laughs> of like, like partly government funded or government aided um, incentives and women don't get any of that. So I, I think we're starting to get to the end of that time limit where it is acceptable to keep this structure in place only for men anyway that's the end of my little speech because i realized i've talked for most of this podcast and i'm very sorry (laughs) this is it's very interesting though i think anyone that is listening that hasn't fallen asleep uh (laughs) slightly and i mean that in a nice way i'm sorry no it's genuinely interesting um especially i said i've got family over there so it's interesting to see how what i love is kind of just not even being able to be viewed by half of them. I don't even know how many like watched Olympics, things like this. Anyway. Um, well, the, but... That's the thing is there's clearly a demand. The Olympics were viewed by 4.4 million people, the gold medal game. It's the biggest viewership they had for anything at the Olympics. Um, to put that in comparison, you know, the, the US women, when they won the World Cup, I think 45 million people watched it. So if you make the comparison, the gold medal game was watched by as many people proportionally in Canada as the last World Cup was in the United States when they won the World Cup. Like there is clearly a demand for this. It's just there is no concerted effort or no really no entity trying to ease access to the game and increase access to the game professionally in Canada. And that's frustrating. I'll yeah. stop now. Uh, I would say Mia, um, with regards to Sweden and then, you know, in the other Nordic countries, um, is the Swedish league probably the biggest of the, of those closest to you? Yeah. I mean, in Scan- the biggest, I mean, I, I think, I mean, it's interesting for me to hear uh, the situation in other parts uh, of the world, because I've been trying to figure this out uh, the last couple of months because I think I'm I'm very lucky because I mean via play uh, in an end group in in Scandinavia, Finland, and I think Poland, Estonia, Lithuania, um, and probably more countries than I can list. But um, uh, they have the broadcasting rights for many leagues. Uh, so sure, I can't watch all games, but uh, but I mean, you, I I know we like to have uh, like ten screens running at the same times, <laughs> time. But I know it's impossible. So so I feel kind of lucky to to be able to watch you know um, women's football from Italy, Spain, France, uh, Germany. Uh, and and the WSL of course um so but then then we have the swedish league who is uh, who is um 
broadcasted by by Sportbladet, uh, and, and it's it's a magazine uh, in Sweden. Tab tabloid. Do you say yeah. that tabloid? Yeah. Um, uh, and I mean, it was great news for the league when, when Sportbladet uh, bought the rights for it. But then, you know, the problems sort of showed up <laughs> during the way because first they said it, it wasn't going to be geo-blocked. Uh, and then people from abroad bought uh, subscriptions for it. But then when it started, it was geo-blocked. <laughs> so then the people <laughs> that had bought the, bought the subscriptions uh, had to have uh, VPNs to watch it. And then you had Fansit coming over to, you know, um, I mean, they probably have bought the rights to to watch, to show the Swedish league uh, in the rest of the world. But I think it was Mexico that bought uh, the rights for the Swedish league first uh, from outside Sweden. Uh, and and I, I, I remember I heard a clip from, from a comment, a commentator, um, you know, doing... Yeah, just it was. Um, I mean, how do you say it? It was sort of thrilling to hear to hear it in in uh, Mexican. So, I mean, I I think we I just want to say that you know Canada and and not having um, a domestic league, we have that in Sweden. But I think like Sweden and Canada in the Olympic final just. Uh, is it's it's telling the story that you, you don't have to be from a big nation to be great in football. Um, I think it tells a story that if you have access to grassroots, you can go far. Because if you look at the four nations that made it to the gold, the the bronze and the gold medal games, they all have one thing in common, and, and that is the grassroots access. Um, you know. It also shouldn't be a surprise that the more egalitarian and therefore the, the more access you have just to be able to play the sport without judgment, um, the more chances in the future that you'll get players who, who can continue and, and who might want to be professional with or without um, a top flight league that, that can support you. I didn't even think about the... Uh... Olympic final situation that we've got going on here. Mia, are you okay speaking to Catherine? Is that okay? Are you are you angry? Do you harbor any resentment to her country and the exploits? Or are we going to be okay to continue for a little bit? Yeah, we can continue for a little bit longer, <laughs> I think. I mean, I'm still hurt. I'm still hurting, you know. Can like, I say, having lost um, a, like a semi-final two Olympics in a row, I can't even imagine getting to the final two games in a row and, and and losing it. And I'm not saying that to highlight it. I mean, it's an, an incredible accomplishment from Sweden because it, it means that not only have you performed incredibly well in the Olympics, you've also performed for Europeans incredibly well in the World Cup to be able to qualify in the first place. Um, that being said, I, I'm, I have no... Like Sweden played well, but I'm so happy for Canada just because, you know, for anybody who's a fan of Christine Sinclair and everything that she's been able to accomplish 
and how she's accomplished it. You know, for those who don't know, that's our Canadian captain, who also happens to be the all-time leading goal scorer, men or women in international football. Um, to see her, I've put so much into Canada soccer over the last 22 years, I think she's going on, and to get a, like a final major trophy, well, trophy, a, a gold medal was... I think almost every Canadian who's a fan of hers was crying that day. So just for that, for that, I'll, I'm not going to apologize. We, we also cried, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but not of joy. Mm. And I sort of felt like for for our captain as well that uh, it, it yeah. was sort of heartbreaking. But um, I mean, uh, I mean, it's it's the beautiful part of the game, and and. Um, uh, like uh, in a tournament, you know, like it's it not necessarily is it's like I I used to say with with WSL, it not necessarily is the most beautiful football to watch, but at the end of the day, it, it's it's winning um, that counts, no matter how you do it. I kind of wish that they could have had like a high jump situation. I don't know if you saw the two men who decided to share the gold medal on the high jump. Wouldn't it have been great if it was legal for like Carolyn Sager and Christine Sinclair to just go, you know what? How about we just both take gold? Forget about the, I mean, it was a thrilling shoot, like penalty shootout. Let's just go both sit on top of that podium. It, it's a little bit annoying that that wasn't an option. Cause I agree with you. Like, if if we had lost to Sweden, to see Carolyn Sager kind of get that that gold medal would have kind of been a consolation prize, I guess. But I don't yeah. know enough about the rules, but I don't know if you just if they just both decided they didn't want to take penalties. Could they just be like, well, guess we got to cut them in half. Everyone gets half a gold medal. Is that is that how that works? I don't know. I I think it's. My understanding is that who can share a gold medal is set by the individual sports for the Olympics. So like in the high jump, the athletics said, yeah, if they both finished equal and they agree, you, you can go forward. If you don't agree, then you have to go to, but I don't think soccer allows that or oh. football allows that, unfortunately. Because I mean, I think everyone would be happy if everyone won, right? Yeah, but then you could also say like, if you know you can you can share a bronze medal, for example, are you going to just shake hands at the beginning and say, let's play the most boring game in the world and finish nil nil, and then we all go home with a bronze? I can see why they like associations, but yeah, it would have been great if. Is, isn't said. that the 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 case in in like the Euros or something? You don't play. Uh, There's no third med- third place yeah, game in the Euros. Exactly. So I mean. Something like that. So. Well, no, like the, uh, the the third place game would get silver because if the first place game gets gold, then the second place they just share silver, and then I guess maybe I guess maybe they just like don't play and just say yeah that was cool. I don't um, think it works let's like go that. And see some other events. I think if there's two gold medalists, then the third place is automatically a bronze. There's no uh-huh. silver. Oh, okay, I mean. You know, you know more about this than I do. I'm just spitballing ideas for the Olympic Committee who aren't listening, I'm sure. Well, I mean, if there's a rational organization, it's the Olympic Committee. So they'll obviously listen to us. Or that FIFA. was sarcasm for those who don't understand <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> well, I, will, I would like to go back to Mia about the, um, about the growth of women's football very briefly. Um, have you, I don't know if it's things like the Olympics and all the internationals that, 
uh, all international players that are playing overseas for that are from Sweden. Um, is that inspiring a lot more grassroots at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure uh, that it does. I mean, we actually talked about this uh, in the meeting I was uh, er, on earlier this uh, evening uh, because we have uh, Linköping has um, really put uh, effort into their academy. Uh, so we just talked about the fact that uh, the the elite uh, team players uh, often goes out to meet young girls um, from the local teams around Linköping and, and it's it's very appreciated. Uh, and I mean, I don't know if you saw that film uh, clip of uh, Magdalena Eriksson visiting her, her, I mean, her local club from when she, she was a kid. And, and that was, yeah, it, it was sort of, um, I think... It was really, I mean, how do you say, touching to yeah. to uh, to watch that. And I think she really was surprised herself. At least it looked like that on the video. So, I mean, it's... And I, I think, I, I must say this, because, I mean, we, we have a lot of national uh, team players playing in... in much better clubs uh, than the men's uh, players uh, in Sweden. I mean, we have like uh, Real Madrid, uh, Barcelona, uh, Chelsea, Wolfsburg. Uh, I mean, all the best teams in Europe. And and our national team players have has actually they have been starting in the Damalsvenskan. Uh, so. I think it's important now what we see happening with uh, the Scandinavian leagues. It's it's kind of typical Scandinavians uh, to be like, oh, okay, now we're being left behind uh, and that's just the way it is. We don't know how to fix that. Uh, and then I usually say, do we have to fix that? Can, can't we just be one of the best leagues in the world to develop young talents and, and market uh, ourselves like that, but but it doesn't take it don't it doesn't take away the fact that that most of the Swedish national team players they come from the Damalsvenskan, and that's a fact. It's it's just a fact, and the, the way it the is. The fact so. you have players going to the best teams in the world shows how strong the Damalsvenskan is. Because if it wasn't a strong league, it wouldn't be recruited from. You know, and I can say because a Canadian, if you see a Canadian heading to that league, you're going, yes, you know, she's she gonna be playing really good football, and that'll be good for the national team, and and hopefully in the long run, it'll be good for the nation. Um, I mean, yeah. was it like was it? Uh, I feel like it was was it Malmo in the end. It was Marta went to Malmo. Was that right, or was it Rosengard? I can't remember. My my history on that is not great, but I just mean the draw of Scandinavia in itself for. <laughs> you know one of the greatest players of our generation um says a lot in itself well how many captains at the last world cup had gotten their starter at some point played in scandinavia yeah you know like marta i think christian sinclair played there for a while um ali riley from uh from new zealand she played so long in in sweden she's now also swedish um it's a great league and 
I mean, if I'm understanding you right, Mia, like if people are speaking down about the league because players are progressing elsewhere, I don't think they understand that that's a strength of the league. Like if, yeah, I don't think they necessarily uh, talk the league down. I think it. The fact is that that it's the money it's like we we talked about this tonight at the meeting as well you know about um, the fact i don't know if you noticed and if you haven't noticed you will notice this uh, when you watch a swedish uh, football game after we have uh, talked about this um i mean just look at lin shopping's uh, match uh, shirts with uh, like a hundred logotypes um, from sponsors over it I mean, I got one myself. Um, I think that's sort of typical um, Scandinavian leagues at the moment. Uh, we need to have a lot of sponsors and they are smaller because this is the way it looks. Uh, I think we are bad in Sweden uh, to sell the product and the experience of women's football. And I think that's what's um, happening in England at the moment the they sell the experience uh, of women's football not just the product we talk a lot about the product of women's football i think it's what they are successful in at the moment it's um, is about selling the experience of going to a game uh, in the WSL uh, to be there to take part of it and i've been thinking about this so much because i can't see why a club like linköping for example, uh, can't do the same thing. Because we are so focused on selling those logotypes on the shirts that we miss out on the opportunity to to talk about and show uh, in our social media channels um, the experience of how it is to be in Linköping, uh, at Linköping Arena uh, and watch a game. Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it's like, yeah. Okay, I mean, there must be. Oh no, sorry, yeah, you go. I think you have to be fair to the Swedish teams. Like one of the big advantages that the FAWSL has is that the Premier League is such a big league that they can piggyback in a way off the brand of their of, of their club. So, like going to see Chelsea Arsenal, even if it's you know it's the women and not the men there's a certain allure that i think is already built in because there's like a hundred years of tradition of people going to see chelsea arsenal you're probably right that they do a better job of 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 pushing that match day but i wouldn't put down the swedish league and its jerseys because they're filled with sponsors i see that and i see it as a great thing like in the nwsl here we've had years where major teams and i'm talking like the houston dash that are in a city of like five million people had no shirt sponsor and you're going how can the women's game be of such little value that they can't even find somebody to put on the front of their jersey you know and they have at that time they didn't have a bespoke jersey so it was just like an orange area of nothingness that that frankly looked a little bit bleak um i would much prefer seeing seeing sponsors all over the place because in a way that does show you know what the local business is behind this because if they weren't if if local people didn't believe in the women's game they wouldn't sponsor it um 
but I, yeah, I, I do think one of the real advantages of the FAWSL is it does have kind of this, almost in a way, this branding behind it that they are attached to these really big parent men's clubs. And with that comes a lot of financial stability, but also kind of almost like a, does that make sense what I'm saying? Like an, like an allure that you can't necessarily create elsewhere. It definitely has something there. It definitely has an allure for the, like you said, like the, the men's side, but then the men's it is a lot of, for a lot of those teams, it is just a name. They don't get as much support as I think they would like. They do a lot, you know, a lot of the, the big four do get the support, but the, the further down you go, um, like Reading and Birmingham, places like this that, that have men's teams in lower divisions do struggle a little bit, but then they open their stadiums. So, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways in that. Um, but I, I think, think that, you, you do know, have to give the FAWSL some time to adapt. Like it's, it's in its fourth year of professionalism. Like how many years has Sweden been going of really yeah. trying to say, you know, so, and there are teams that kind of jumped on the bandwagon, the, like the professionalism, like for those who don't know what we're talking about, the, the FA changed the WSL to a fully professional league three years ago, a team like West Ham, they got their bid together in a couple, like, and they, they were accepted to the top level a couple of weeks before the season started. So I think those there's a, there, there are the top three that have been in it a lot longer that understand there's a difference between men's and women's football, but we have to support the women. And like, it, it's not going to be an organic growth. You do have to push things for it to, to have some semblance of equality. Whereas there may have been other teams that did not get that, that kind of just gave the women a Jersey and in some circumstances didn't support them as well. But I, th- I think you have to give those teams a bit of time to, like, if we're talking facilities, to actually get facilities together for women. Or I, I don't know if that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still evolving. Um, yeah. you know, despite all this money that's come in from from Sky and BBC, it's still an evolving league. Um, they, I think everyone would like to see more games. There's more teams in it. You know, like it's yeah. you've got like what twenty games to try and do everything you need to do and that isn't a huge amount of time that isn't you can't really turn around the back half of a season because you know they've played two games in wso and they're off on international break now well the so, last three seasons you you lose one game you probably you lose two games you probably lost the league yeah you know chelsea exactly losing that opening match for those who don't know is a huge thing because that could be the end of their their title pursuit down the line yeah if arsenal don't drop any points you know and the way i I was the first one to be like, I don't know if this is Arsenal's year. You know, City looks stronger. No, Arsenal said Arsenal must have listened to that thought in my head, and we're just like, no, yeah, hold gonna, my beer. Yeah, we're going to show you that. Uh, yeah, we, you're wrong. And the more I see it, I can't unsee it. I'm a, I'm a bit offended again because you you're saying this, and you have you have a Swedish coach. Yeah, and but I mean, for a again, second, I, I thought you were saying that I'd offended the Swedish league, and I was like, no, that's not no, my intention. No, I thought you were because I know you you follow Chelsea a little bit, so I thought that you were going down that road, and I was like, oh no, I didn't mean to do no, that. Uh, I don't. But... I mean, since I started this uh, football analysis course, I see things in different, you know, perspectives and and in a different uh, light. So I think Arsenal will win the league. Yeah, like I, I you know having a bit of a stronger or well, having a preseason and and the uh the european qualifiers they just they look like a lot more gelled 
Um, and I think, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't give him. It was, a, it was a group chat. That was what it was. And I was like, Arsenal have got a team in three years. City in two. This is Chelsea's year. I don't know. I, if Arsenal don't, say if Arsenal don't drop any points, and I don't, I can see them beating City. I can see them beating Chelsea away again. To be honest. Um, so yeah, I think that there is. It's going to be a. Again, it's it's always going to be a close league, but I think one of Arsenal's strengths is that it's really a team that strengthened its core. Like they lost very few important players in the offseason, and then they just strengthened. So they're kind of just continuing on in this new. How do we say his last name? Jonas. Eideval. Eideval. I I'm perfect. always terrified. Yeah. Yeah, like in this new eight, and he. I think has built upon what Montemuro put in place and just kind of finally in a way allowed it to kind of take off. Um, Montemuro, who said he was going home and then ended up in Italy. Is that like, was that like a short stop from the, like the you know? And he looks, home he looks sm- for him, uh, Italy. It's sort looks, of home. He looks smart as hell as well in a suit. Yeah. He was he was all track suits at Arsenal and now he's suits. And it's like, yeah, nice one, Joe. You look, you're pretty sharp now. Handmade, uh, tailored, uh, it, it, Italian suit. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm bad. I'm very lucky. I I felt sort of thrilled today when I saw that Chelsea is uh, are going to play. You know, Juventus in yeah in the Champions League. So we could I probably have a discussion of which group we think is the the strongest out of or the toughest out of the four. But I think they're all tough. Yeah, I mean, uh, the entire point of this podcast initially was to have a little bit of a rundown of the, some of the fixtures that happened this weekend, but we've just really opened up a whole other can of worms for football around the world. And I'm, yeah, I'm much happier with the discussion we've had. Um, yet there's some European games happening soon. Uh, Who, I mean, I'll, I will run through the groups. We should talk a little bit about some sort of actual footballing situation i suppose sorry just, i ran rather, off with my rather than the, the bureaucracy of it all um so yes the uefa women's champions league 2021 2022 the group stages look like this group a chelsea wolfsburg juventus and servet uh b uh paris saint-germain breeder I haven't practiced any of these names. I'm not sure where they're from. Uh, Real Madrid, um, WFC, Kharkiv. This is oh, why did I, I start it's... doing this? Yeah, it's Ukrainian. I, I don't know. I'm gonna. I haven't heard them spoken. Uh, Barcelona. Yep. Okay. Barcelona. <laughs> Arsenal. Arsenal. I'm just playing that. I know how to say some of these. Uh, TSG Hoffenheim. You're going to have to help me with this last one, Mia, the uh, the Danish team, HB. Uh, oh, HB Kurga, you say. HB Kurga. There we go. But she said it in Swedish, not Danish, so we could actually understand yeah, I, I can't speak Danish. Danish is like the worst Scandinavian language ever. And I, I'm going to Denmark uh, <laughs> the day after tomorrow, and I'm already scared as hell that I won't uh, be able to understand what they say. So it I'm sounds gonna... like they have a frog at the back of their throat. It's incredible. Like yeah. the sounds that are produced in that language. But it's the same in, in the south of Sweden, uh, who also sound like they have a frog uh, in the back of their thro- throat. But, uh, you know, Danish is like, I mean, it's like, it's 
it's so hard to understand um, because they speak so fast. And they would probably say the same about us in Sweden. Uh, so I, I'm going to shut up now because if, if yeah. <laughs> That's okay. We hopefully haven't offended too many of our assumedly Danish listeners. Um, but I assume you'd speak English there. You just speak English with all the Danish people. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to speak English and I'm not going to, uh, because if I um, reveal that I'm Swedish, they are just going to talk really fast Danish with me and then I'm going to uh, stand there and look really stupid. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think I will stick to the Swinglish thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> To okay, be fair right. to Mia, she didn't just insult Danish people; she also insulted Swedish people from the south of the country. Yeah, I know. I've been. I. I actually. I. I have uh, lived in both the southern uh, parts of Sweden when I studied the first time, and then the second time I went the complete opposite direction to go as high up north as you can get in Sweden. So, just just to to see both ends, or something like that. Yeah. And hear them talk uh, in in the boat and as well. So that's very that's cool. I've driven around the Scandinavia with um, uh, some bands, which was very fun seeing seeing that whole country, well, a whole collection of countries in about three days. That was that was tough, but it was it was beautiful. Um, anyway, moving back onto the Champions League draw. Sorry, everybody, we are. This is like rants and rants and sidetracks and everything you probably didn't think you needed to know about Sweden and Canadian culture. Um, so, yeah. Um, so the last group, Group D, is Bayern Munich, uh, Lyon. Um, now, BK Haken. Is that Mia from Sweden? BK Haken. Yes. BK Haken. BK Haken. I'm not even going to try and do that one more time. No, I'm so sorry. Uh, and Benfica from Portugal. Um, toughest group? What do we reckon? I think it depends on what team we are talking about. Because I think all the groups uh, are tough, uh, except for maybe on paper PSG's group. I think if you're if you're a PSG fan then you will like that. Because I think they are playing that Icelandic team, Breda Blick. Uh, and yeah, on paper, that's the easiest group. The other groups, I think, is... I mean... It's difficult. Like, yeah, Group A and Group C are pretty tough. Um, because you, to be fair, you, you technically have three teams in both groups could take it um although i think group a will be chelsea and wolfsburg and group c barcelona and barcelona and arsenal but you know it could also be like hoffenheim could easily play in there as well um uh, yeah i've not been following much of the uh frauen bundesliga as of yet um they're but... they're all teams that are undefeated like arsenal i believe have won every single game um, no, Arsenal have won every single game, whereas yeah. Hoffenheim have the little, their last two matches have been drawn, but they're all teams that are on a roll at the moment. Um, whether they'll still be on a roll in early October is another thing, but 
Yeah, I'd like. I mean, yeah, the the PSG group does seem Group B does seem a little, as you said, you could, you know, yeah, a bit, that could surprise some people. Like Real Madrid didn't didn't do great. They they lost to Atletico yesterday in the derby, which uh, I am very which happy made about. you happy, slightly happy as I yeah. was at work. Um, yeah, that was okay. Um, shout out to uh, Sky Sports for showing for showing a replay of that game after. Um, Man City versus Spurs yesterday, which was a surprise. I didn't watch it. I went to bed instead. Uh, yeah, um, that's a poor admission. Uh, but yeah, I'm, so I, I think yeah, Real Madrid are kind of replicating the men. They're going. We're going to do great in Europe, but uh, domestically, not so much. I, I don't know if Real Madrid will. will I don't. So I don't know the other teams really from that group. I they didn't. They haven't looked that strong. They've lost a couple of players, like Jakobsen went to Bayern. Um, and I think they they recruited Esther from um, Levante, and who used to play for Atletico. And she was banging them in for Levante. But again, I, I think that will be... I, I think they could stumble. I mean, this is me saying Arsenal weren't going to win the league. Uh, I think <laughs> I think Real Madrid could stumble in this in that group. If they're not careful, yeah, I, but I think that I think that Champions League, the Champions League, will be it will be a tough tournament for for every team that that are supposed to go through to the quarterfinals. Yeah, uh, I mean because even... it, it's a it's a different format for the for the for. Uh, yeah, and then we have had the Olympics with some players been playing really. Uh, I mean, a, a lot. Um, and then you have, I think, the biggest challenge for for any team in, in that tournament this uh, season will be what if if they are able to focus on uh, everything. You know, like the league, uh, the Champions League, and and cups and and stuff. So. And I didn't even think about the mileage that Group B is going to have to do. Like Paris and Madrid aren't too far apart, but Iceland and Ukraine—that's that's some travel. So that that will factor into. But I think it'll be more difficult on the Ukrainian and and. Oh yeah. Yeah, like I mean, arguably Group B, like yes, Real Madrid has been faltering, but I if they and PSG don't go through, it's going to be. An incredible upset because you know they played their last game last weekend, so I don't know if they will have their international players. They've got two of them on retention for the Champions League, but if not, it's a bunch of locally based players who aren't in their their season anymore. And Kharkiv had arguably the easiest route to the group stage because they they qualified through the Champions path. But when you actually look at how they qualified, like they're not dominating wins, like. One two against Apelon in the second uh, round, and then three one um, at home. Like these aren't. It's not like they ran through the groups in any way. So, yeah, if they're able to beat two teams that are completely full time, um, that'll be a major upset. But I, it's PSG and Real Madrid's group to lose. Let's put it that way. But I, I don't see them losing and not qualifying. Like that would be. I don't know what you guys think, but that would be incredible. 
I, I, I want to see that, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm not. It's not really a hot take that they, they won't do it. But I just think that maybe the, the occasion and the mileage might get to them, but I could be again very wrong. Very, yeah. very wrong. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting competition. The way they set it out for sure. But it, I mean, I don't think they've even got a broadcaster specifically set up here for that. I don't. They know. They do. Everything's going to be on the zone, and it's oh, for the next yeah, yeah. for the next two years. It's going to be free on the zone YouTube. Um, the first two rounds of group qualification stage weren't on there, but from now on, every single match will be broadcast. Which I'm looking forward to seeing the quality of that broadcast, um, whether or not it'll live up to the other DAZN products. But yeah, for the first time, we'll actually be able to get to see them play, which is, I don't know if it's wonderful or it's shocking that it took so long. I keep forgetting that that's happened. That's my my tired adult brain is just like, well, I watched it on BT Sport here, so that must be where it's going to be. No, um, it, it is, yeah, that is good. The, there's only sorted that out and i do remember seeing all the announcements i just one thing at a time is <laughs> maybe forget that that was happening um but yeah two years on youtube that's you know again it, it's if people have the smart tvs they can watch it and they can you know computers and multiple screens and all of the uh, accessories but yeah it's a shame that it won't be on maybe direct um uh, television channels um, in the UK for for sure, um, having you know free teams there, but maybe that will change as and when they come on, because it seems like a lot of the streaming companies are able to get onto terrestrial TV as and when. I doubt with the zone, like whenever the zone gets their their pause on something, they do not share it. Like we have all the Premier League here and and on the zone, and there's nothing that ever goes. Um, Everybody has a smart TV anyway now, but like, there's nothing that ever goes on the mainstream anymore. Okay, well, so. I, I genuinely, I, I haven't had, I've got no experience with them as of yet, so uh, we will see how Neither. it goes. So it yeah. will be a like a thrilling experience. I'm, I'm sure they did the. Um, it's free on on YouTube still, I think, but they did the Women's International Champions Cup, and I was pleasantly surprised with the quality of the broadcast that they were able to put together. So. Um, which I think is, is, is kind of one of the things that you want to start seeing. Like it is still very frustrating. I think that we're in 2021 and the quality of women's soccer broadcasted is not nowhere close to the men's. And there's also very little punditry, punditry that's done. So hopefully they'll be able to add that dimension because one of the, I think one of the things that really does build, um, follow like people especially new people following is when they actually hear teams being spoken about being discussed about on mainstream television instead of you know like this is great that we can discuss things but people have to actually actively search for it so which is also something that sky's brought which is fantastic yeah i mean last season there was a handful of games the wsl games that were free on fa player that i watched on like the atta football app or mm -hmm. uh, through there because they had like kelly smith he had Kelly Smith like commentating and some others, and I was like, I want to hear them, not some random dude that, who seems to get Viv Miedemar's name wrong. You know, why, why would I want that? Yeah. So yeah, it's good that um, there are non-traditional broadcasters. I would say, um, I mean, non-traditional in the sense that they're not any of the big UK ones um, for those areas. I think yeah. the, 
importance is whomever is producing it, that it be easily accessible in terms of knowing how to get it. And also that it's, it's respected in terms of the quality that you're putting like forward and arguably getting names right and getting gender pronouns right should be a minimum requirement. Um, which is, we're still far, far off from that. Like, I don't know if you heard, but about three weeks ago, um, CBS did a whole expose about Quinn and Quinn is a Canadian player. Um, they identify as, um, transgender and, and use the, the, the gender pronouns they and them and they did a whole expose about quinn being the first olympian to win a gold medal um, as a transgendered athlete and the entire entire expose they use the gender pronouns she and her like they couldn't even get that right <laughs> so again like it's just understanding do, do you understand what i mean tom yeah no but i'm just trying to figure out how like that got through the like final edit, like everything that like the, the should even like the dossier sheet is just like, right, Quinn, they identify as they, them. That's the first things you would surely have to make sure were being honored, surely. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm the first to say that I have made mistakes with that, but you make the mistake once and yeah. you, you never make it again. But if you're doing an entire expose on how this person is the first to ever get this for a transgendered person and they use they and them as a pronoun, like it's not that difficult to respect people. Um, again, like you said, how it slipped through, it, it was just shocking. You know? Yeah. Cause... So can we get back to Champions League? Because I don't know if you want to discuss this, but there is there was a bit of a controversy with the comments made by Man City um, this coach about like, like we've been talking no about the, the about the overload of the schedule and how Man City hadn't had any um, any preseason games and how because the way that the new format is for the Champions League if you're a champ if you won your country's um, respective nation you go through the champions path with the exception of the top four uh, rated countries who get direct entry into the group stage. And then if you're lower down in the league, if your country coefficient is higher, is high enough to get more than one champions league spot, you've got to go through the league path, which means you, you know, you were assured in this tournament that you were going to get really big, fully professional European clubs exiting at the second round of the champions league group qualification stage because of this league path, um, format and i was wondering if i mean i don't know if you guys are aware with this but what you thought of this new format where it's great that they've expanded the number of clubs but is it like and their their goal for doing this for having these two paths where you could have a team like man city eliminated really early on is was entirely so that when you get to the group qualification stage you have at least um 10 different nations represented you know this time they have 11 but is it an appropriate path considering that there are countries where the game has evolved significantly more than others? I think it's, I think this uh, also needs to be put into the light that the fact that Manchester City is almost uh, everything uh, of the Lionesses and Team GB. I mean, if oh. you look at if you look at the teams that have 
not have been struggling as much. Uh, I mean, Arsenal, they have uh, players from many different, uh, I mean, nationalities. And, and I think it could be a factor for this as well. I'm 100% behind you there. Like, I'm, truth be told, I'm not a huge fan of Man City. I don't really enjoy watching them play that much. And I agree with people who said that the selection for Team GB this year was pretty Man City heavy and excluded a lot of players who arguably could have also been in that team but didn't play for that club. Um in the long run, I think some of the big exclusions probably cost them progression further down because there's a lot of talent that they didn't bring in. It, it is a head-scratcher when you consider some of the injured players that were selected above fully fit, fully performing players. Like I'm the like Jess Fishlock and Jordan Nobbs, their exclusions just baffle me personally. Beth but, I mean, well. Beth Mead as well, yeah. Like and, it's okay. gonna happen. It's gonna happen next year as well with the Euros. So I think. Um, yeah, but I don't think I don't think it'll be that Man City heavy, and I don't think it'll be that. I mean, the Euros they're playing underneath England. Because the other thing that I, you know, it's supposed to be a team that represents GB. Um, Northern Ireland qualified for the Euros for the first time in their history, which is a great achievement if you, for that nation, and not a single Northern Irish player deserved inclusion after qualifying for the euros for the first time like there again it makes me scratch my head like how how is this possible like how can anyway yeah i think well i i from that i think it wasn't like rachel Furness was the only like was like the, the probably the most rated player for northern ireland and i think she was injured um, okay to to make to make an excuse yeah. on a team that like yeah but i think if you'd have asked any man city fan if the way they started this season if they could have taken less players to the olympics I think they'd say yes. You look at you look at how many actually went like across the board for that team that was in the Olympics, or well, I was about to say Copa America, but there wasn't any South American players that, in that way. But they, well, they know, had Janine Becky who went for Canada. They well, said, like like everyone went like Rasso and Kennedy, but yeah, they weren't there yet. But they they were in the Olympics. You know, I think if anyone had asked a Man City, you know, they started so slow because of that that i think if you'd have asked him would you rather you know the idea was that it was a team that was pretty much ready to go from hegerisa because they didn't have any time yeah um, so that was the basis behind it but i think if they'd realized how quickly this season was gonna bite them in the ass i don't think they would have done that i don't i think they would have said actually no like go to some other clubs we need we need to make sure we have any kind of pre-season i mean Chelsea and Arsenal kind of had a preseason. They played uh, in the mine series, um, which like they played double headers with the men. And in their circumstances, they had as many players away at the Olympics during that time period as Man City did. Um, I think they had nine and 11 and, and Man City had 11 that were gone or 12. Um, and what they did is they used a lot of their youngsters. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the Arsenal Chelsea game that took place at the Emirates, the first one this year. But in about the 60th minute, you had a lineup of what seemed like 10, like 16-year-olds that, that literally replaced the, the remainder of the first team that was still there. And one of the shocking things, and I forget his name, the Man City coach's announcement was, oh, we couldn't have a preseason because we don't have any youngsters in our academy that are at the level to be able to play along the first team. 
which I can't believe that a, a coach would say that. And it also, you know, it makes you question like, where is that in between the academy and the senior team in England that is able to kind of like develop to get to the senior team? Like, if you're saying that none of your players are good enough to play alongside senior players, then that's that doesn't, bode, I don't know, is it me that finds this odd, but that doesn't bode well for the future for where you rate your development squad. I think there's a handful that have come through in the last few years, but then you've got uh, not an aging team, but you look at like, they, you know, they've got Bardsley in gold and they had Robux. They didn't really have like, like the, um, is it Benetaub? The, the keeper who's in at the moment, um, you know, she was like third choice keeper behind Bardsley, who's been injured mostly for the last two years in some way or shape or form. Yet they've got academy players that are in that team that they could have done something. They surely could have done some sort of team to at least have a couple of games. I, I don't see how they couldn't they couldn't do something, some kind of preseason, even just behind closed doors against the lowest of the low leagues teams in that area, just to have a handful of their players getting on the pitch. By the way, his name is Garrett Taylor. Sorry, I had Garrett Bale yeah. in the back of my head, and I knew it's <laughs> definitely not him. Um, his name is Garrett would, Taylor. But yeah. yeah, he might he might do all right as well. Gareth Bale could be a good uh, a good manager of uh, Man City women. Why not? I mean, does he have the time with all the golf he plays? Well, exactly. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> Sorry, but yeah, no, no. It, it's it's a you know, you, yeah. You you raise a very good point about how. Gareth, he, he came through the academy, right? He came through up, up from an academy position and there he's not able to bring anyone else with him. I do like, sometimes wonder if this Man City um, history of promoting from within um, is a good way to go, you know, because Nick Cushion was the same thing. Nick Cushion joined the academy as a volunteer coach, was given the first team, and in the first years, one could easily argue that part of the reason he was so he, he was successful with the team was the massive infusion of capital that allowed Man City to be the first team to go fully professional and to attract the likes of Tony Duggan and and whatnot from other teams because they wanted to be full time. Um, but do these coaches who've never been like they haven't been head coaches before, like do they? I don't know. I just found his comment really odd. One, it it. it it highlights like is there enough of a space in between the young players who are below 16 17 18 and the senior teams to develop and to like using that as an excuse to not have a preseason when everybody else who had similar problems was able to do it i found it odd yeah it's you know he's got to be probably more careful about his words now I was speaking with someone yesterday about how it would be easy to blame the ref yesterday for the Rosetta handball, not the ref, sorry, easy to blame VAR not being there than it is to blame the ref and have, you know, come out with comments against the ref, despite like Casey Stoney doing it like last year. Um, you know, there's a lot more focus on that area now. So he, you know, he, you'd imagine he would be choosing his words a bit more carefully. Yeah. Because... City haven't been looking. City have have not been looking like a team that will be able to to cement a top three place so far. In my opinion, you know, granted they have a number of players out, but they've still got a team that 
I don't know, could definitely. I mean, I was watching yesterday. That's like the only game I watched yesterday uh, over the weekend was that game. Um, and, you know, Lauren Hemp was cutting down that left hand side and she was getting in the positions. But the ball she was putting in weren't what anyone really needed, if that makes sense. They, were, they weren't quite, they, they weren't hitting the forwards and the forwards weren't there. Where in the game before, they were cutting closer to the byline. Um, she, in like the Sada's goal in the first match, and and you know she came right round to, um, well, not Rasa did, but for the um, for the Bunny Shaw goal. So they were actually they were they were standing off Tottenham a little bit more in that area um, where they could have been coming closer in. So I don't know. Well, did you see the two Real Madrid games? Because like no. yeah, I I watched them both. both. Like the Everton no, game the was. Obviously, they're best so far, but like they they don't look like a team who necessarily tactically adjusts properly for every opponent. Is what I meant. Like they've lost one so far, and they have a number of players out injured. Like even again, Taylor said we have to be technically flawless going forward. That's what I meant. But I don't know if like if they're having these problems of having to adjust, and you know they're gonna have to meet Chelsea. They're gonna have to meet Man United. They're gonna have to meet. Um, you know, next they're meeting Arsenal. Like they don't have any, they don't have much space to to drop points. You know, no team has who wants to finish on top has a lot of space to drop points. With what we've seen so far in the season, can they technically can they adjust every game to not do that? You know, after the performance we saw last game is my point. Can. I don't think until some of those players come back in, if they do. Um, that at the right points in the season because you know they can't go and get anyone else now and if they haven't if they're not able to promote from within as we've talked about if they haven't got these youth players although I did think Jess Park looked very good when she came on yesterday um you know a little too little too late maybe in some of those areas but she looked good through the middle and they were really struggling through the middle I felt against Spurs yesterday um again I was I was tired, so I didn't watch all of it in that way. I didn't watch it in an analytical sense. I was just I wanted it to be a bit more exciting after expecting a few more goals from Man City. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think they they suffered a lot uh, with that Esme Morgan injury. Yeah, I mean it it must, uh, but but I think Manchester City looked like a preseason team yesterday in some ways, and I think that. You know, when Philippa Angeldahl came on, uh, I don't think it was planned for her to come on uh, yesterday. Uh, and then she played kind of high up the pitch yeah. from where she, where she used to play. Uh, and they are suffering I, I from the, the loss of their Americans as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that this. I, I was thinking that this. Um, season is Manchester City's to lose. It's their league title if if they want it, especially when they uh, were knocked out from the Champions League. Uh, But I'm not so sure anymore. And I I don't think that Gareth Taylor will uh, be head coach of Manchester City if, if they don't get back on track soon. Um, so let's see what happens. But I, I think that, I mean, 
two games in and I think Arsenal is the most balanced team yeah. uh, front uh, down to the back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you saw Willie Kirk's comments after Everton losing their second game in, in a row 4-0, but he wasn't sure he's going to be, you know, he's like, if I'm not here the next week, then, you know, that's not my decision sort of thing. And yet we're talking like as if Gareth Taylor's going to go after they lose one game. Um, but they haven't lost one game. They've won. I mean, they 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 kind of yeah. crashed out of the Champions League as well. Sorry. Yeah, no, no. I mean, like from a league perspective, like I mean, Real Madrid yeah. were probably stronger than they thought they were going to be. Um, but yeah, again, in in a league scenario, I mean, with other managers, just in, in, as a counterpoint um, to to what we've been sort of saying about him. Yeah, I think I I think that again. With, with this course I'm taking, I, I'm being very, very careful with what I'm saying or, or tweeting at the moment because I think I'm sort of trying to find my way into to this. I, I can speak with my friends about it behind the scenes because then we do proper analysis. Uh, but I think it's it's so much more than just putting 11 players out there uh, to play a game uh, and to perform their best uh, version, versions of themselves uh, and, and take the decisions uh, that, it, that are, is the best in the moments they have to be taking that, that it's, it's so much to, to consider. Um, but I do think that a team like Everton, uh, they, they aren't as bad as they looked like. Yeah. Uh, not versus Man City or Chelsea, uh, even though Manchester City and Chelsea um, still on paper uh, are the better teams. But Everton, they have a lot more potential than they have been showing so far. Yeah. Everton are, are the team that have underperformed the most for the potential they have, but... I think Manchester City are the team that have been losing the most for what they could have accomplished. Does, does that make any sense? Yeah. Because like, yeah, yeah, Everton is largely recreated, but Man City hasn't had... I mean, they've, they lost Lavelle, they lost Mewis, and they lost Dalcamper. And those are... those that They were integral last year, and they're pretty big players to leave the club um, for the positions that they kind of had. But, you know, my comment on Taylor is it's... It's more, one, this is the first team he's managed. And I don't, for a team and for the demands of Manchester City, where they are expected to be in the league, that's a really big task to take on. You know, granted, he has a lot of playing experience for a lot of different clubs. So he's seen a lot of different systems. But my main thing was the comment about, being able to bring up a play like young players and not having that option. And then the resulting and the fact that they couldn't do any preseason when other teams have been, have shown that they are perfect. Like Chelsea and Arsenal showed they are perfectly capable of doing a preseason, even with significant parts of the roster out. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree. I was just, I was just, I was counterpointing the idea that, um, that Willie Kirk was worried about his job after two games when he doesn't seem so that doesn't seem as worried compared to everyone else in the media. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was answering more like me as thing yeah. for like 
Yeah, no, I, it is fit. Like you're, you're right. Like, and, and my criticism may be overblown, but I still think it's a bit on. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're, all, yeah, we're all sort of, sort of there together. I think we're in. I think we're in agreement. I don't think we're just at different points of that. Me especially. Um, I think I'm about two questions behind. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I think you, you know you raised the points about that system and and. and why it wasn't, you know, possible. But yeah, um, we have talked a lot about now. Manchester City is going to win the league. Because <laughs> yeah, we've jinxed this. them the yeah. opposite way. We've jinxed it. I think yeah. I think there's going to be some sort of, you know, uh, retaliation from these clubs inadvertently, just to be like, yeah. I, for one, really hope that Manchester City will beat the hell out of Arsenal. I, I can't see it. I can't. Yeah. I mean, I guess this, this now would be the best chance for him to like regroup some of his players, but they're all going to go on international duty again. And it's just like, they've played what four games two uh, a draw, two losses and a win. And now he's losing his players again. It is odd how the way the calendar is set up could so affect things because, you know, like Brighton, who would have guessed Brighton top of the league after two matches, you know, but it's arguably it is in part because of the opposition that they have been able to face. Whereas, you know, Manchester City in the middle, I don't know, just a thought. So, so Manchester City are going down this year. That's what you're saying, right? I'm not saying they're going down. It's just like <laughs> the evolution of whom you face can have, like I can just imagine, like the players who have who have to face the top clubs at the beginning, the difference in mentality that that would put to teams that might progressively see their season getting harder. Yeah, I mean, it's like we said earlier that these shorter um, leagues, the shorter in the sense that there's only sort of there's only twelve teams in it. It means that yeah. every game is every game and every point is valuable, um, even across like the rest of Europe as well and, and in the states every game you gotta win it if you need to win it there is you know there's no time to re- regain those points really and we don't we don't have the uh what is it the playoffs in europe we don't have the playoffs to to win as well i still don't get that that's a whole thing that's a, that's another i am i'm sure i'm not a, like in the nwsl they have two trophies they have the nwsl shield which they give for the regular season which would be the equivalent of and and it's the same in the W League. They have the Premiership, which they give for the regular season. But everybody wants to win the championship. And up until this year, the NWSL, that was two games. You're going like, yeah, you have to qualify in the top four. But still, like, is that really the prize that we should, like... Like, in the men's game, it can be really exciting. Like, if you're watching NHL, for example, like, you're talking they're playing seven-game series, and it's four out of seven that they have to win, and there's, like... I think there's four or five until you reach the Stanley Cup series, but if you're talking two games, like I just I've never seen that as as incredibly exciting. Like the the shield should really be the one, like the regular season should really be the one that's valued because it's the one that takes the most effort. Anyway, and, and yeah, and there's no cup competition as well, right? It's just uh, they, they, do, they do they do some they do some like friendlies against the Mexican and South American teams, right? I think so. So the NWSL, because last year they weren't able to have a, a regular season and they kind of saved 
their year by by hosting what they call the challenge cup which is like they basically split uh into two different groups and then the the top two qualified for like a playoff kind of um like the continental um the league cup yeah and they redid it this year but what they did this year is they put it at the beginning of the season so the challenge cup was original basic they had a preseason as well but most teams had a preseason but they basically made it kind of like a preseason to the actual season my understanding is part of the reason they did that was because they weren't sure with covid about all the restrictions and how to how to how to possibly schedule the regular season but I prefer have I prefer the European way of having overlapping competitions because then if your team's not doing well and you know you won't you're you're out of relegation but you probably won't qualify for the Champions League then you can you can go for a cup whereas if they're sequential it's I, I don't know I like kind of like the the, the idea but I, I think it does bring back to your your main point that like the regular season for the NW for the FAWSL is just not long enough. Like it, there's just not enough leeway for it to be like if if losing one or two games is all that it takes for, to put you out of contention for like the to be winners to be champions then there's not enough flexibility there to be fair. Yeah, and the further down you go in the leagues, it's a lot harder for promotion. Um, they, you know, you, you can't get as much from it even if like like all of the um change in the coming years the amount of teams are in like the championship and things like this but the the amount of opportunity for promotion is so limited so i i mean i think england is big enough to have a league that's at least equal to spain and the fwsl would be better suited to have two years where they promote two teams and then only relegate one to at least have 14 or 16 teams and then you're you're looking 16 teams you're looking at 30 games for the regular season yeah and i I think that that's personally i believe that's a that's a lot better but and arguably that would be better for the game because at the moment like you said like you get promoted you get relegated into the the championship suddenly you're part-time you're like it might take years before you get back to a level of competition that is demanding day in day out because of the fact that the championship isn't and in the long term i don't think that's good for the women's game like you need to have more players who are doing this as the regular job and you need and you need to have more competition and the wsl kind of looks like three mini leagues at the moment where top teams we can lose one or two games if not we're we're out and then bottom teams it's just a fight for relegation and you drop down you might not see them again you know look at liverpool I was just going to say Liverpool and Bristol thinking they're going to come straight back up uh, is not going to not going to be the one. But yeah, it's uh, it, again, it's good. This is why I love football. Like, I love that it, it isn't exactly exactly what you think it's going to be or how you maybe half predicted it. Um, I'm sure there's, as you said, there's probably people who viewed Arsenal as a, a stronger prospect than I did um, at the start of the season. But I, you know, after seeing them beat Chelsea at the Emirates, I was like. Okay, this is this is actually a team that like are gonna do very well. Like Freedom Manum is a great like under the radar signing, I think. And I don't, I, I, some people have picked up on it, but she's just been so strong in that position. Uh, it, we've been chatting for an hour and twenty five minutes. Sorry, uh, Mia's Mia's uh, already on the couch 
like you've, you've got yeah. somehow that's reclined even more and more throughout the conversation i mean uh, you have to remember that i i am an hour ahead of you so yeah. it's it's like yeah i think you're six hours ahead of me yeah, yeah. probably advantage is there won't be any more potato pulling <laughs> Is that is that, is that for you. definite? Have you had the thumbs down for more more? Uh, uh, it's five farming. p.m. <laughs> I'm, I'm clocking out. <laughs> well, I think that is as good a place to leave it. Um, thank you so much for genuinely enlightening me today, Catherine. Like about a lot of the situations in Canada and just explaining some of my only things that I didn't know because uh, apparently I'm a lazy fan. Sorry um, to listeners if I talk so much. It's just. This is something I'm passionate about. And it's also something that's I think, more complex than sometimes people understand. Have you, like, very quick, have you ever, have you, have you been to any games in England? Have you been over at all to yep. see any? Yeah, okay. I've been to games in England, France, Germany, and Sweden. So, yeah. That's cool. Have you been to Mia's Neck of the Woods? Uh, no, no, I saw a game in Malmö. Okay. So, and from her southern Sweden um, comments, I'm guessing she's no longer there. She's in the, she, Link <laughs> no. is in the north, right? No, no, it's it's not. It's, well, it's the north, north of, Malmö. of Malmö, but not the north of Sweden. Well, it, like, my, sorry, let me rephrase. For your geographical separation of how weird Swedish sounds, you're in the part of Sweden that you consider the north and normal speaking. Yeah, I mean, I sort of feel bad because what I said from the beginning, because half of my uh, mom's family is from the south of Sweden. And I've been spending a lot <laughs> of my summers down there. I like it a lot. So, uh, but but it it's not that far uh, down as Malmö. It, it's, it's like 10, 10 uh, Swedish miles from, from Malmö. But it's in Skåne. Who is the region where where Malmö is? This this is what gets me about Europe is like sometimes you were like oh they're so far away, <laughs> they're fifteen kilometers away and I'm like what? Yeah, that's that's the neighbor here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm going to Denmark uh, this um, and and from here in Linköping it's. Uh, three hours and 39 minutes by train to Copenhagen. Again, that's the neighbor. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But I'm going to Viborg, and that's four and a half hours by train from Copenhagen to Midtjylland, where uh, the Danish national team play uh, their games. So it, it should be an experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, I excited to see whatever you can show on the internet yeah about your trip yeah uh it's gonna be a lot of photos i hope uh, good experience i'm ditching i'm ditching sweden this time <laughs> you were really ragging on sweden today i've just got to say that you know you're just leaving them for denmark yeah having a go at the southerners i mean i just i needed uh i'm a bit um Salty on life at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll just in, in, <laughs> insult an entire country and part of yeah. The, yeah. I mean, I just ha I give me this week and maybe I'll be back to to some kind words. 
Next That's fine. Week. I'm Canadian. Yeah. You know, we have the Americans yeah. as a great place. <laughs> yeah. There are Denmark. <laughs> I like Denmark a lot. I, I like Denmark too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I especially like their football national team. Oh, did you hear about Nadim? Did you hear about Nadim? Yeah. I heard that. And and it's kind of heartbreaking because she was supposed to get her 100 cap yeah. for Denmark. Uh, and that, that's sort of... She apparently yeah. got an ACL tear in her yeah. latest... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so she's off to England or Qatar apparently to get uh, it repaired. I just I hope that, that she can uh, she can feature in next year's Euro because... Um, She's not old, but she's not young for a football player. So, yeah. And then again, there's for uh, Formiga, so we can always use her as yeah the example of <laughs> a reference. I think that's my favorite thing about some of the, um, the 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 women's footballers that have become pundits here in the UK is they kind of you can kind of hear them talking about Formiga, just like yeah, she's like she's like six eight six or eight years older than me, and she's still playing and. Well, if you yeah. wanted to do um, a history of women's Olympic football uh, podcast, just invite her because she has been to every single tournament, which is insane. Like she's played in every Olympic tournament since 96 and she had already been on the team for a number of years, which is she's like, I think we should clone her because she's kind of the Benjamin Button of women's football. She seems to age backwards. Yeah, she is a legend. Right, yeah. let's leave it. Let's leave it on for anyway. me as a legend, and because we would we'll be here all night, and which would be great for us, but not for listeners and um, all of your plans for the rest of the days, which is sleeping, I assume, for <laughs> me and myself. Um, but yes, thank you so much for everyone who's listened to this. I don't know how much is going to make it through whatever Stu does for editing. Um, if he leaves it all in, that'd be great, uh, and you would have learned a lot of things about different parts of the world and football and how to say certain words in Swedish and how to butcher certain words Smorgas in Swedish. Board? No? No, that wasn't it. That was the English. That was not it. Smörgåsbord. <laughs> Smörgåsborg. I think we could leave it at that. Yeah, I, I think, though, I think the title should probably be that um, America is the Denmark of North America. I think that that realisation is, uh, is, the, is the title. That's <laughs> anyway, perfect. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, this has been a real joy. Um, and yeah, I hope everyone is in, looking forward to the international break aside Man City players who are probably still going to have to do something. Anyway, I'm stopping it there. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.